1: thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeld. I'm your host. And our guest today is Josh Fonger. He is a business performance architect. He's also the co-founder of Work the System. We're going to talk to him about the work he does with companies, help them figuring out how their business structure needs to pull together to be able to scale it effectively and efficiently. So we're going to talk about that. Um, he's also an architect by training. I always love to talk to other architects. Having a background in architecture myself, I'm sure we're going to talk about how you can approach business Business and the architecture of your business to help make sure that you've got solid foundations to be able to grow and scale. I think it's a big, big thing most people miss when they're putting together their businesses and, and figuring out how they're going to grow them is making sure they have uh, that stuff put together right from the beginning. So with that, Josh, welcome to the program. Glad to be here. So why don't we start with a little bit of background? So I, I kind of let the cat out of the bag, saying that you're, you're originally what, were an architect. But tell us the story of how you went from architecture to the work that you do now with Work
0: the System. Yeah, I'll try to try to capsulate the story. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was trying to choose between architecture, being a doctor, and business major, and I chose architecture. So that was that's kind of when that happened. And from Michigan to Arizona, and working in in the field, uh-huh. I realized that the people who actually made the most money and got to make the most choices about how things actually happened were the developers and not the actual architects. And so I learned early on that if I wanted to Play the, the game at a bigger level and actually tell the architects what to design. I had to be the, the developer, yes. and so uh, I worked for some development companies and was a project manager uh, right out of college. And most people are aware of the of the crash 2008, mm-hmm. 2009 in that time. And so I was part of you know part, one of those casualties. And um, you know had a wife and two kids and had to make some money. And after not finding anything, unless I wanted to take a, a 90% pay cut, uh, I really had to to jump to something different. Mm-hmm. And uh, I talk about this um, in my own podcast, but I, I got my master's in business as well, uh, while I was uh, doing development. And I wrote my thesis about why you should never hire a consultant, like why you <laughs> you shouldn't hire a consultant. Why they're, they're yeah. actually going to take your money? They weren't really valuable. They weren't mm-hmm. useful, and um, they just give you boilerplate. You know, you should really just do it uh, yourself. You, know, yeah. you should you should figure out yourself, and that your team should develop these ideas. <laughs> but you know, when you <laughs> when you have no job, and you have no money, you got to feed your kids, you'll take whatever job you get. And that was the only job I could find uh, so. was to be a business consultant. And so I took it, you know, and, yeah. and this is this was not with Sam Carpenter, my current partner, but with, with another guy. And um, I had to I had to learn very quickly in the field because he just said, hey, are you good at outside sales? I was like, oh, yeah. He's like, how about, um, you know, putting presentations on? And I said, oh, yeah, I should be no problem. And and he just sent me out in the field to all these different uh, clients and uh, miraculously had some uh, had some success and, and really enjoyed the work
1: yeah well not not an uncommon story you know necessity is the mother of invention or reinvention yep. as, as the case may be i guess what did uh, anything that you learned about yourself in that process i mean I, I always find that in those challenging times you know is when we you know really kind of have to dig deep and figure out like what what are we made of what do we really care about what are the things that are important to us any any interesting takeaways for you in that story
0: yeah not to get too deep and you probably don't want me to cry in your show. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it wouldn't be the first time. But
1: <laughs> we try to keep it fun you know, here.
0: I, you know, I learned that what what is most most valuable in life obviously can't be taken away from you. So I would say definitely for anyone who's gone through the kind of the crushing experience of having everything taken away except for your family, friends, your faith, like that, those all get strengthened during those times. Yeah. And you once you realize that the most what's most essential you can't lose, it gives you a whole lot of confidence and boldness to to try new things and to expand and change yourself. And so. No, it was great. It was great to lose it all and and to go with you know Josh two And so I think it's it's an amazing experience that most people never get to have if they've never been laid off or had something like this happen. That they're they're stuck in their patterns and they can't. They don't. They're not going to push themselves into that situation. Yeah. No one's going to purposely do it. And so I think for those who've done it or had it happen to them, they're way more resilient. They're way more resourceful. They're 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 hungry. They're more pragmatic about solutions. And instead of just the theoretical, like my first gig consulting was here's a list of two thousand names. Make some calls. If you don't close anybody, you don't make any money. Mm-hmm. You don't eat. And mm-hmm. so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna close some sales, even though I have no idea how to <laughs> You know, yeah. this is cold calling in my early twenties. So you just figure it out because you have to. And I think that that's, once you have that confidence as, a, as an entrepreneur out on your own, you are way more confident trying other things because you know you can figure them out if you really have to. And most people who've been employees their whole lives um, are waiting to be told and they have never built that muscle.
1: Yeah. It's um you know not an uncommon story or a theme, uh, I think, for a lot of the folks that we've talked to on this podcast, just in terms of the, the, what they do now is somehow informed by, impacted by, created by you know, some kind of adverse event. You know, whether it's you know personal, financial, health, business, and in that process, there's kind of this. Well, wow, you know what? I survived that, and it wasn't it wasn't as bad as maybe I envisioned it could be, and so it, it gives me a lot more. Yeah, I think it's confidence, but it's also you know the ability to take a risk, um, knowing that knowing that these things are you know survivable, they're not fun necessarily, but they're survivable, and and it gives you a little bit more willingness to to try things, It'd be less kind of risk-adverse or, or kind of fear-based and more opportunity-based. And, and I, I see that as just a pattern. Uh, a lot of the folks that have kind of gone through this process and come out the other side and, and it's seeing that as a takeaway. So it's interesting. So tell us about the work with Sam and the work the system. How, I guess, how, how did that come about? How have you kind of founded that and, and what is the focus of that the the business
0: well yeah so, so basically i was flying around from location to location to location helping out uh flooring store owners so these would be people um, mom and pop shops maybe they were doing two to three million dollars in sales family generational businesses and i would fly out there and i realized that all of the things i would put in place would actually fall apart within three months six months a year because they were things that I was installing in the company from the outside, and they wouldn't stick. And I met, you know, I read this book called Work the System. Uh, I lived in Bend, Oregon, right where Sam Carpenter lived. And I realized that his solution, which was kind of documenting the processes of your business so that they do stick and so that they do scale and so they can be innovated upon, was an approach that I needed to use in my own consulting. He and I became friends. And ultimately, he he's 70 now, and he's enjoying total freedom, doesn't need, doesn't need the money, doesn't need the, doesn't <laughs> Good need the for stress. Him. He's, um, the, he's, he's and, reached the goal. <laughs> oh yeah. And he's got an amazing life. And so he and I met when he was you know 60 and he didn't want to do any coaching or consulting or create events because he didn't need to, yeah. but his book had such a massive following and interest that he kept getting uh, people wanting help, wanting help with their business, and so he realized that he would need someone like me to grow a business where we could actually help these folks, and not just hand them a book, but actually walk them through the process of installing what we call the Work the System method mm-hmm. into the business. And so, about eight years ago, we we founded that company together, and uh, that's what I've been doing ever since. Got
1: it. And I guess why do people have the challenge? And I, and I see this in lots of. Kind of cases, but I'm kind of curious. In your case, it's like you, you've got this book. It's compelling. It, it talks about how to how to do these things. Like, where does the book fall short, and what is lacking that creates this opportunity to build the practice around?
0: Yeah, well, I think just like losing weight, and people might read about it and know how to lose weight or know how to fix their business. Since it is a change, it's um, they need help walking through that change. Whether it's accountability, additional training, coaching, maybe they're missing some tools. But ultimately, they aren't going to make the steps on their own because it's not natural to them. What's natural to them is shooting from the hip, putting fires out, just kind of always reacting to the environment. What's unnatural is to step back, look at it, have an objective look at your business to build a, a strategy and principles and procedures and teams and just do the methodical structure building that all large companies do. And 99% of small companies will never do. And so that, that's where we fit in is actually walking them through that, that process because there's a lot of, I guess, shiny objects along the way <laughs> yeah. and they, they, they need somebody to hold them to the fact that this is, you know, building processes and procedures in your business is never urgent, but it's always important. And so the urgent things always uh, take them off track and so we're, we're here to keep them on track and to help them through that, that transition from knowing it all in their head to getting it out of their head into a framework where they can actually grow a team and they can actually hold the team accountable and they can actually set up some consistent KPIs and they they actually can, you know, scale. So based on the conversations that you and I had before this interview, I think that you probably work with more companies that have made it past this transition and now they're actually doing, you know, five, 10 million plus a year. Mm -hmm. And now it's about how to go to 100 million and beyond that where it's more about uh, uh, leadership and, and team culture. Whereas most of the people I work with they're never going to get to that level because they they keep it all in their head.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I always say that there's a, there's a a series of kind of evolutionary processes that, you know, a founder CEO needs to go through you know to grow and scale the business, and and some of it's some of it's external, you know, looking at market and market strategy. Some of it's internal in terms of process and system. And honestly, some of it is mental, is just changing the mindset and the the kind of view, the perspective that they have on leadership, on their role in the business, about what they're focused on. And, and they're all very different. <laughs> it takes kind of expert coaching and systems to kind of help each step. I'm curious what you've you know as you've worked with companies, have you worked with leaders on this process? Is there anything that tells you fairly quickly either in conversations with you know prospects or you know early in the client relationship, either attributes, characteristics, things that tell you that someone is more likely or less likely to be successful in this process are there any early signs that you've identified or experienced you know look, looking at all the people you've worked with?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it, it's going to be based on uh, hunger or, or desire. Mm-hmm. like if they have, and that's how we help them, we actually help them visualize what their life will be like if they have more, more time or, or more money. Because that's, that, that's our three criteria basically lower your stress, give you more time back as an owner, and give you more personal income. And so of those three categories, what will your future look like? And if they just say, oh, my future will be a little bit better, oh, they're not going to go through the work then. (laughs) You know, if they say they want to grow their business by, you know, 3%, then they're not going to do the work. It really comes down to somebody who has um, ambition to open up new locations. They have ambition to sell their business. They have ambitions to, you know, give their business to their son or daughter. They have ambitions to um, really uh, go beyond... but they have special projects that they just can't get done. Until this structure gets put into place, and so we've had one client where their their number one manager died, and yeah. so they signed up for our program. They were very motivated. They saw <laughs> what what that did to destroy the culture, the relationships, the the business operations. You know, so when things like that happen, you know, one client where she had cancer, yeah. it was going to be terminal. Well, she was very motivated to get structure in place because it was a family business, yeah. and so it's a lot of it has to do with. What is the driving motivator? If people are okay with things as they are, status quo, and, and they then they won't do this. They have to be in a lot of pain. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, I guess that would be it. Is do they have a strong current pain? Like I had a client where his wife was pregnant and she really needed him to not be working 100 hours of work, yeah. uh, 100 hours a week. He was very motivated to get it done. Yeah. Um So a lot of pain and a a, a big a big ambition for the future because they know they will never get to that big ambition without putting this in place. And those those are my best it has nothing to do with intelligence or degrees or industry it has to do with those things
1: yeah and I don't think that makes sense I think the one the one thing that I run into you mentioned you know selling the business and that's often you know the case is you know I'm working with companies who are looking to grow and scale and sell but one of the first conversations I have with you know the founder with the CEO is saying is after you sell what are you going to do because too many times I see there's no plan there's no concept of you know literally how am I going to spend my time how am I going to measure my self worth they get so their egos and their self worth is so trapped up, so wrapped up in the the business that they go to sell, and either they sell and they're miserable, or or they sabotage the sale because they haven't. They get so scared of actually not doing anything. You know, they'd rather they'd rather just keep the business going than and actually sell it. You know, at a at a very nice profit you know that's going to give them financial freedom but then they're they don't have any purpose i'm curious what you run into if you've seen that at your level of of this kind of well so say you get a whole bunch more time what are you going to do with it problem
0: yes yeah (laughs) it actually does happen and um i remember this one of my first clients with sam and sam and i were just figuring this out like how do we help these companies because he had tested out in his own business and he had gone from a hundred hour work week to a two-hour work week and he wrote it all in his his book worked this and so here we are out there in the field and we had this client and within 3 to 4 months he had worked himself from you know 50 60 hours a week to the office didn't need him at wow. all it was a it was a commercial appraisal firm and he was having his best months yet he was you know 20 30% growth and he said now what do I do and so he he uh, joined a band so a church band so playing guitar yep. and he got a road bike and did a lot of road biking and um Oh, there was some other hobby he got into, but basically he said, Josh, I've been doing this for three months now. Uh, they don't need me in the office. So I think I'm going to open up two more locations. And so then, <laughs> then he got, you know, he got more motivated and he went back to the work yeah. and he was really excited. He took, he took the structure he built, opening up new locations in different cities, but he was so burned out. He had to take some time just to like, Yep. Just figure himself out. But yeah, it definitely happens. And that is what the coach and consultant, I mean, in your experience too, is mm. they need to help you break out of normal because oftentimes entrepreneurs' lives, what they think is normal, is crazy. It's it's insane. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's, there's someone I'm going to talk to right after this podcast and... She thought that it was normal for her people, her staff, to work till 6 or 7 at night, every night, Monday through Friday, and then also work Saturday, and then also work Sunday afternoons. Mm-hmm. And she thought that was, that was normal. And because that's what she does. <laughs> yeah. She's like, well, why don't my employees do that? And I, I, I said, they're never going to do that. They're not yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah. But she didn't know that.
1: Right. Yeah. No, perspective. The other one I, I always find is I, I run into these entrepreneurs that, that get frustrated with their team and they're like, I just want people that are more entrepreneurial. And I, I say, I don't think you really want that. I mean, think about you as an employee. Think if you were trying to manage yourself, you would be a nightmare, right? And so I think people get stuck in this, why can't people just be like me mindset or this kind of mentality? And it does take some kind of awareness and reflection to realize that you don't you don't want that. And, and your norms are not reasonable norms for the rest of the population.
0: Exactly. But I think that the 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 genius of entrepreneurs is they need to realize is that the only way they're going to push down some of that genius onto their team is by getting their genius into a scalable format. That's why our, you know, that's kind of the, the unique thing that our company does is try to help them get that whether it's video, audio, text, some kind of recorded framework so that they can pass it down and their team has the same strategy. Their team has the same principles. Their team has the same ways of doing things. And then the entrepreneur can say, oh, wait, now now my team is aligned with what I think. And I can go do other things because... You know, I have these uh, scalable entities, these little assets that um, will teach everybody beneath me. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so talk to us about the system. So what is the the basic sort of philosophy or process that you work people through? Why does it work? What are the challenges of it?
0: Yeah, so we try to keep it as, as simple as possible. So again, we're, we're working with smart companies. And, you know, you and I were talking beforehand about, you know, a lot of the structure that big companies 5 10 50 million dollar year companies have yeah. a lot of structure a lot of, and they need it because of the teams but when you're when you're starting out you have to be really simple and pragmatic and that is probably where our method excels is that for one we work on the the owner's mindset so we call it the systems mindset where they they extract themselves from the business get outside of it and they see the separate pieces of it not for for them in there but just for the systems and so this is a mindset shift first which can be quite quick yeah. uh there's a a strategic objective, we call it. So it's a one-page strategy document, which is basically you know, where you're going and how you're going to get there. So a one-page, quick document. It doesn't need to be eloquent, but it does need to keep you and everyone else on track, motivated towards a, a common direction. Uh, principles. So how do you make decisions about everything? Time, yeah. talent, design, customer service, like a, a document that... So some folks might call it your, your values, or your beliefs. But you do need one document like that, even if your company is just you, know, you and your wife, just something that lets everyone know anyone who works with us is going to follow these principles. And so I, I mean I give stuff to my team all the time and I just say, follow the strategy and the principles and then then figure out how to do this because you, you know how I would solve it. And this is for you know new initiatives and new projects. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing is procedures. Uh, we call them working procedures. Bigger companies might call them SOPs. Yep. We call them working procedures because you are always working on them and you're always working in them. And we build the, you know, one at a time. It's, we call it the heavy lifting because no one wants to do it. But, you know, we have coaches and we have writers and we have people who will help you extract that piece by piece, you know, how to open up the doors in the morning, how to lock up at night, how to you know do the recipe, how to make the sales call, how to do each little tiny piece of your business. The right way. And then, then you can innovate uh, on that. And that's the, that's the best, basically the, the model. And then over time, those procedures will get more complex into how they do their sales and their marketing and the customer service and their finance and their IT. And, and so we, you know, we're going to build up a, um you know, a collection of those and that's really going to help them, you know, in our case, get to the next level where they can uh, work with you.
1: Yeah. And what are the challenges? I mean, I'm I'm a big believer in standard operating procedures about defining the process, improving the process. But I always find there's kind of challenges, hiccups in terms of you know extracting that, (laughs) and Mm -hmm. and it can be painful (laughs) from the people that kind of know it or are currently working the process. What are some techniques or what are some methods that you use to be able to uncover, discover, you know, extract the processes that currently exist in the business into a real defined, documented system? How do how do you do that?
0: Yeah yes and there there are a whole host of ways to do it and the main thing is the leader needs to decide 100% it's going to happen. And I think that's the, the number one thing is that they're kind of like, well, we'll give it a try and we'll see if it works. It'll never happen because everyone's going to not want to do it at first because it, it adds additional work. But then once they, you know, the owners decided we're definitely going to do this, then at that point, you'll find different ways to do it based on what type of business you're working with and the skill sets of the people in your team. So if they are like, I'm, if I'm working with a landscaping company and they're all out in the field, weed whacking and mowing lawns, I'm not going to be asking them to write a bunch of working procedures and type them up because that's not going to be their skill set. That's not where they work. So I'm going to be more trying to get uh, videos, pictures, audio of some of the systems that they're going to do. Whereas an accounting firm, it's going to be more of, you know, type them up and use screenshots. Sometimes we'll use things like uh, Loom or Snagit or Camtasia to to screen record. Oftentimes for me, my preference is audio. So I will give my team a procedure via audio. So I'll just say, hey, you know, we're going to do a new accounts receivable process. Here's the purpose of it. Step one is going to be this. Step two, and I'll, I'll walk through it in a three-minute voice file mm-hmm. and send it off. That's it. So that that's the easiest for me to to get it out of my head. So it, it's yeah. about you know figuring out the technique and having playing the long game, which is the long game. We're going to do this, and you know in Sam's business in his book, he talks about uh, what he did. He's got about three hundred procedures in his business, and um, that sounds overwhelming. So most people won't start. But if you have a goal of let's just do two or three a week. Most people can do that, and it's just about being consistent after that.
1: And do you find, I mean, you mentioned the 300 procedures, which, yes, yeah, sounds daunting, but I guess where do you typically start or where do you advise folks to start, and how do you identify the procedures that need to be done first, and, and then how do you kind of build
0: and grow Based on that. For most companies, the owner is the bottleneck. And freeing up the owner's time is the most valuable thing a business can do for, for small companies, especially. And so we figure out what is what are repeatable things the owner's doing that really they shouldn't be doing. And we try to cleave those off into procedures. So it might not be the most consequential, amazing, complicated thing. It might just be, hey, you know, the owner stays here late at night and locks up and puts the security password in and does this other stuff. Um, we could pay someone Ten dollars an hour to do that. So let's get the owner, you know, off that one thing that he does every single day. Interesting. And and so we're gonna cleave the things off the owner first that's going to be the best for the business. And then beyond that, it's going to be what's going to have the biggest ROI or biggest impact. So that's something that you're, you know, is you're doing really bad. Like, let's just say you have a sales team. There's no process for how you actually um, have these sales conversation. And you think, you know what, we're doing these sales conversations every day. Everyone does it differently. We really need to get this documented because I know if we get it right, we could probably double our business. Yeah, And that's going to be a key foundational procedure to work on. But oftentimes I find out what people really do is the next problem. They, their company runs into like tomorrow they have an angry customer they'll say you know what we don't want that to happen again what happened let's write a procedure so that we don't have any more angry customers and they they will they'll handle the next fire that pops up and they will b- build a system to prevent that fire from happening so um, you know any one of those techniques and there's there's a lot more to it can work but the main thing is to obviously commit to it to get started and you know really free up the owner's time
1: yeah I, I like that uh, it's almost like start with pain and then look at value. <laughs> <You know? laughs> <laughs> because, and, I, and I think that's smart because you know, people are far mo- more motivated by pain than value. Right? Like I tell somebody, like, you can make an extra $100, or I could remove this thing that is that's horribly painful for you. They'll, they'll, the value of removing the pain, I find, is a lot more than the financial benefit of some of these things. So yeah, focus, focusing on the getting the owner enrolled, bought into the process by removing pain from them, get the committed to it, seeing the value, and then rolling that out. I think, I think that makes kind of psychological sense in terms of how you get people to adopt this stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about sort of the cha- other challenges of implementation. I, I certainly have seen, I can imagine you've run into. Uh, so, as a leader, you bring in a system like this. Uh, you know, you're, you're working the, uh, you're documenting the processes, you're communicating these out, you're working with your team, and you run into some people on your team, some people in your organization that just just refuse to follow the process. Right? It's documented, it's there. You've made it clear that this is how we're going to do things, and they just choose to do things differently. You know, they're they're lone wolves, they're mavericks, they're just by nature, not process or at least not rule followers or process followers. How do you deal with that situation? Because I see that come up a lot.
0: Yes. Yeah. And that this is dealing with reality, hence the need for (laughs) a coach or consultant (laughs) and a couple of different quick ways to handle it. One, you know, if they're really a problem to your organization and your principles say, we're going to be team players and your strategy says we're going to follow systems and they just really are gumming up the works and causing problems after they've been shown the strategy principles, they might have to leave. Right. People who are really great for your company in a dysfunctional, you know, emergency type business are not always great people when things are organized and dialed in and efficient. So they might just not fit the goal of the business anymore. That sometimes is the case. Sometimes they're just not the kind of person who can build procedures. And so they're, they're happy to follow them, but they're, and they're happy to innovate on them. And they're happy to share their ideas and they love the concept, but they're just not going to be the one to ever get it down a paper. And so that's fine. You, you identify that and you say, okay, so you're not going to be a writer, you're not going to be a reviewer, but you're going to be someone who innovates, and you're going to be someone who's going to f- follow them when they're done, but you're just not going to help us build, build these things, and there's going to be some folks like that for sure. And then often what happens is, I, I call it quarantining, but you have a, a maverick, mm. or an outs- usually they're an outside salesperson, and they're a deal maker, and they just do things their own way, yeah. they're never going to follow what you do. But you really need them and so or their family and so what you do in those cases is you just say hey Jim Is going to stay in the outside sales division or in the special projects division and he's not going to be part of this program and Jim You're not going to you know Obviously get the support and the efficiency and the automation and the technology we're doing You're just gonna stay off and do your own thing and we're gonna let you do it But you're not gonna screw up what we're building and so you kind of set appropriate border and you let everyone know. And sometimes, and I've seen this happen: is is Jim, who's quarantined after six months or a year, is like, "Hey, you know what? It sure is nice over there, where everyone's dialed in. They're making <laughs> yeah, exactly. more money. They're 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 not working nights and weekends." And sometimes they're they're late adopters. But you know, the reality is, sometimes you can't lose Jim, and so you just you have to kind of make those leadership decisions. Yeah,
1: uh, and I think that's one of the hardest things about this process. And I'd, yeah, unfortunately, you do you do get in situations where you know someone is not not working out with the new plan and how things are going to work. But unfortunately, you need them from. Uh, you know, from a revenue or an expertise point of view, and yeah, I like the the quarantining or the isolation strategy of you know g- preventing them from from making it difficult to do what you want to do with everyone else, and and you know making sure you're making progress without losing the the valuable contribution they make, and then you know ultimately deciding what the bigger picture strategy is. But yeah, I, that's I think that's one of the big challenges. So, Josh, if people want to find out more about you, about work the system, what's the best way to get that information?
0: Well, i have got a special page just for your audience. It's uh, work the system dot com slash S U S. So if they go to workthesystem.com S-U-S, they're going to find some information there. Uh, we give away the book for free. So, I mean, you can certainly buy it on Amazon for 20 bucks, but you can download it for free on that page. I've got a podcast as well where we talk about similar issues to you, you know, how to yeah. fix your business, how to grow it, uh, leadership, all the latest tools, things like that. And then also I run a coaching program. And so our again, our flagship coaching program is there as well.
1: Awesome. I'll make sure that the links are in the show notes so people can click through, get the information from the webpage. Appreciate you setting that up and the podcast I'll make sure people can get that yeah this is a great conversation I think we're we're just sort of scratching the surface on many of these things but that whole idea of how do you make your business a system and how do you optimize the system evolve the system so that the system is doing the work not you as you know as leader as CEO as founder so really really good points I think it's something that we can all strive to do continually get good at so this has been a pleasure Josh thank you for being on the program today
0: glad to be here